three, two. Welcome to For Your Review. I'm your host, Scott Birmingham. You can catch me on TV on Fridays doing film reviews on Reno's Mornings on Fox and on the Noon Show and the 630 News. For Your Review is an entertainment and what's happening around town podcast. This session is being hosted by Open Mic Studios here in Reno. Our engineer. Hi, Brandon. Thank you for having us, Scott. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to hear more, become a sponsor, throw in an ad, contact Brandon. Brandon, why don't you give him the email address? It's good. All right. That's open mic studios, Reno at Gmail, open mic, M I C studios, Reno at gmail.com. Thank you, sir. The song that you just heard a bit of was Billy Joel's easy money. Joining us for this podcast session is drummer extraordinaire, Mr. Liberty DeVito, who worked with Billy Joel for a good 30 years in pretty much any band time. That means a lifetime. That's a lot of years, uh, not just a weekend. Liberty also has a book that's been out. How long has it been out for now, Liberty, would you say? Uh, I came out in uh, July. July. Yeah. And what's the title of your great book? I want to hear it from the man himself. It's called Life, Billy, and the Pursuit of Happiness. How did you come up with this title? I was thinking of Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, but the top of the book says Liberty across the top. So the publishers figured, like, there's going to be 30 years of my life with Billy, so it should be Life, Billy, and the Pursuit of Happiness. So um, I think it's a great title. I, I really like it. Did you come up with this, or did someone come up with several variations of how you could do it? Yeah, there were different variations of it. Now, I read this book, and I wrote a short review on it uh, and sent it in. I got to still somehow finagle my way into Amazon because they suggested me putting it into the review for Amazon. But that's easier said than done with Amazon, apparently. So in Is short it? of getting in touch with uh, the guy who runs the joint, uh, I've got to figure out a way to do it because it, it needs to have that review on there. But I read this selfishly because I wanted to read about Billy. Right. So I got into it, and I'm a pretty big fan, but I've heard, you know, as I've been on Facebook, that there are some various levels to fandom. <laughs> I remember listening to the River of Dreams album one day, and we're talking quite a bit ago at this point, and I looked to see who was playing what, who's being credited, because in all the albums I've noticed your name, and I've always eyeballed you in the concerts, and this time, not seeing your name anywhere, and I was like scratching my head thinking, what is going on here? Something's different. And at this point, 
you were on, I don't even know if it still exists anymore, MySpace. Uh, but I Do remember, I, remember that? <laughs> I remembered when you had put a posting on there with your email address. And I'm thinking, well, this is kind of cool that he's, he's making himself available for people. And uh, this was at least, I'm remembering to my personal knowledge, 10 years plus easily. Um, and I remember us, and at the time, I was a bit wet behind the ears on doing interviews. I, looking back, I almost laughed, thinking, I can't believe Liberty even spoke to me then. But I remember this, and you were so, so nice and sharing a lot of stuff that wasn't shared in the book. And we're going to go to some of that, but I'm not, I'm not going to share any more than you did in the book. Um, but I have this book, and I'm reading it, and it was fascinating, to say the least. Um, well, thank you. It was. You know, there are some people that get into what I call the newspaper mode, and they, they think that they're typing, they're going to get paid for as many words as appear on the page. And then there are some people, I've tried to do it, but there's a lot of patience involved with writing, a lot of memory involved with writing, trying to keep notes of what and trying to make sense of it so that the reader can keep along with what you're doing. I was totally enthralled with hearing about your family. I have a hard time myself trying to keep track of like two generations of anybody. And then reading your stuff was, I mean, I was, it was a page turner for me. Such one, it was just great writing. I enjoyed reading the prose to it, but then, you know, reading what you personally were recalling about those days was created quite the visual in my head. Uh, have you ever attempted to write about your family before? No. Well, the original reason I was, started writing was to leave a, uh, uh, a history of my family for my kids because I wanted them to know that my, my grandparents came from Italy, where they came from in Italy, and what it was like for my father to grow up and all the things that he did. Like he was a World War II veteran, you know, he was in the Battle of the Bulge. And so they would know where I got my name from because one of my bro- father's brothers was killed in World War II, and I'm named after him. So that was my intention in the beginning. My parents, I was fortunate enough that they, my father lived till he was 91 years old. My mother lived till she was 89. And I was fortunate enough to interview them on a cassette tape. And I interviewed some of my aunts also. And they would give me insight of what my father was really like growing up. You know, uh, I mentioned in the book that he wanted to be a career criminal, my father. And it turned out to be a, a, a policeman, a New York City policeman instead, because, uh, because I came along and my father had to get a real job. You know, so the, the book was started out as a family history. But then when me and Billy parted ways, I started to write about me and Billy, you know. And of course, in the beginning, when we parted ways, it was an ugly right. situation, you know. So I started to write the stuff that you would normally think that somebody would write about in, in a really angry situation. Right. Uh, but then then uh, as, as I, I started to grow more and and i i got a life coach because i was angry about that and i got divorced at the same time as, as i parted with billy i got a life coach to try to talk me off the edge and she did she did a great job and um then i thought to myself i don't want to write the dirt a lot of people a lot of guys write the dirt i have a lot of drummer friends that write the dirt about and and get other people mad and, and angry and they throw people under the bus and stuff like that because they feel that that's what people want to hear this story is my road to success. The road that I took to become the drummer 
of one of the most popular singers, single artists in the world ever. It wasn't an American Idol moment where I sang and I and people judged me. No, it, it was a road that I had to take, the dues that I had to pay. The roads that I took, some were very dark. And a lot of people have taken those roads. I was fortunate enough to get off that those, those dark roads where others like our bass player, Doug Stegmaier, didn't get off that road, and he eventually, you know, uh, committed suicide. Unfortunately, you know, and we lost Doug, and, and it was a great loss to us. I also wanted to look at things that Billy did from standing in Billy's shoes, yeah. not from my point of view. Was my point of view is like I, I don't understand this. You know, <laughs> right. Billy is, is is the piano player. Billy's name is on the marquee. Billy is the singer. Billy writes the songs. He's got to write 14 songs for a new album. Four of them have to be top 40 hits. He's got the pressure of that. He pays everybody, the, the crew, the band, everybody, managers, lawyers, everything. So when I say I get pissed off at him because I want to go out in uh, April and he wants to go out in May, and, I, and I'm, I'm upset about that. Who am I to be upset about that? He's Billy Joel. You know, he's the guy. I'm fortunate enough to have a gig for 30 years with this man, you know? Yeah, the first thing that happened, though, was that I got very angry. And because we, I didn't know why it happened, why the part happened. And uh, to be honest with you, Scott, it's not in the book why it happened, but I'll, tell you, I'll be honest with you, it was, a, it was a he said, she said thing. Billy was surrounded by a lot of people that he trusted. And, you know, when, when one of them comes up to him and says something about me, he trusts them to be telling the truth. But without confronting me, yeah. you will never know if it's true or not. Right. And my Sicilian anger got the best of me. What I should have done was stood in his driveway when he pulled out of, out of his driveway and stopped him and said, what's going on here? But I did not. Just said, you know what? Forget. I don't care anymore. You know, and in your book, you go really thing. well into that turmoil, which was very interesting to read. You know, if anybody yeah. had any kind of, I, whether you worked with a, somebody you knew or not, just somebody that you're tight with, and then all of a sudden there's a falling out, you know, it could be like those those birds in uh, a Dr. Seuss book where they come in the middle of the road, but neither one of them moves to the side to, the, to let the other one pass. They just stay right. stand by. It's funny. It's funny that we, we tend to think that way. And, but it was really interesting to kind of be in your mind the way you wrote it. And, you know, you're having trouble eating, you're having trouble sleeping. I mean, there are yeah. physiological changes going on in your body because of this. And some oh, people yeah. don't experience that. Some people it's like, oh, well, it is what it is. But you had yeah. some, I mean, this affected you. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, when, when, the, when Billy let go of the first guys, like Russell and Doug, when he let them go, me and Doug and Russell had a band called Topper that eventually became Billy Joel's right. band. So I knew Russell since he was 15 years old. You know, we, we used to hang around and try to start bands. Right. So these were my best and longest friends that all of a sudden you say goodbye to them because the boss doesn't want you around anymore. Right. You know, and then when it happens to you, like I was in this bubble for 30 years. It was, it was a, it's a bubble you're in, yeah. you know. I mean, I could do no wrong. Right. I, you get you get free gear. You get you know all the girls you want. They, you know, it's insane. And then all of a sudden, the bubble goes boom, boom, and you're in you're in reality, and you're not 
I wasn't Billy Gold's drummer anymore the next day. I wasn't Billy Gold's drummer. I was living DeVito again, right. you know, and I had to figure out how to get back to that, that sanity of, of, you know, of loving Liberty DeVito again not, without having the Billy Gold drummer thing anymore. Now, having said that, and I know when you had emailed Billy to do the forward, did you get a sense from Billy, like, you know, who knows how far Liberty would have pushed the envelope on this or not? Do you think he had any reservation, uh, at least before he read anything? Like, you know, who knows? Well, I, I didn't ask him uh, uh, out directly to do the forward. I didn't, didn't ask him. It was a thought that everybody always had. Guys, I was writing a book. Wow, it'd be great. You know, and I had a list of people that I thought maybe could write the forward. Yeah. You know, pe- people that, that had said that I was a great drummer or whatever, you know. Uh, but, like, people were saying, like, well, if you can get Billy to write the forward, that'd be great. I was like, forget it. It's not going to happen. And then I was laying in bed, and, and, and it was like, you know, this piano uh, drum thing has got to end. You know, we were saying things about each other in the, in the press yeah. that was, like, ridiculous. And it's like when, you, when you're in love with somebody and then you break up and you're really, really upset and you say things bad about them, but you feel it in your heart because you still love them. You're like, oh, man, I can't believe I said that about you. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. That's what it was like saying things about Billy, you know, because 30 years, you know. Right. And, uh, and so... I wrote him and just said, let's end the feud by having a meal together. We'll have a meal together. And when we sat down for that meal, all we talked about were people that we, we knew that have passed, uh, people we worked with that w- had, had been sick, yeah. uh, our children, what they're doing now. Uh, you know, because uh, he has an older child, Lord Ray. I have three older children. Uh, he has two younger kids. I have one younger kid. Right. We're married to younger women, <laughs> you know, so we have a lot in common. And yeah. that's all we talked about, how great it was, you know, how our lives are now. Yeah. He, he was talking about how, how it, it, you know, he's getting older and he doesn't know how much longer he wants to do this. And I didn't go there to get my gig back. Right. So it was great. It was just two friends talking to each other. Yeah. You know, two old friends reminiscing again. And never bringing up any bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. And during that meal, when I asked him, I said, what are you doing? He would tell me what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. Where's he going to go? Yeah, all stuff. And then he said, what are you doing? And I told him about the Slim Kings. Uh, he knew about the Lord's the second spirit already because he keeps getting reviews and people raving about the Lord. And he was like, you know, you guys are good, so that's good for me. You know, uh, and then, then I said, I'm also, I'm, I wrote a book. And he went, really? And I said, <laughs> yeah, but it's, but, it's, but it's good. It's a good one. It, it, everything's positive. There's nothing negative about it. And, uh, you know, you feel like writing a forward, you know. And he went, he went, I'll write you forward. And then he went, yeah, I'll write you forward. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, then when it was done, I, I came home, because that was in Florida. So I met with him. Yeah. The Lords were playing down there. And then I came home. And uh, we were still editing the book, mm-hmm. you know, putting it all together. And it wasn't until we, we got totally finished with it that I sent it to him and, uh, in an email. And he immediately wrote me back and he goes, wow, this is really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <sighs> he says, give me a day or two and I'll, I'll, I'll get you forward together. And, you know, 
I got to say, Liberty, for you, C-L-A-S-S, nothing but class. You know, because despite, you know, whatever level of animosity you might have had and looking back, I mean, and maybe it's just because we're getting older. I don't know. But our perspectives certainly change as life does, too. And to look back on that and to not go in the dirty water, so to speak, uh, right. and get yourself wet and dirty about it. You kept it all very clean. Um, and I, I tell you, just respect. That's all I have. I bow to the man. Um, I just think it's, uh, I remember the conversation that we had 10 years ago and a lot of things that you shared from with me that I kept between us. I never shared with anybody because I really didn't feel it was my place. You know, it was something that we did for an article I was writing way back in the day. Um, and you just shared a lot of personal stuff, which, um, I was surprised at. Uh, and when I didn't see it in the book, I'm like, you know, it's just as well. It's like, it is just to leave it the way it is. Um, right. and it, well, like you, it's good. Like you said, it's hopefully, hopefully we grow, right? We get older and, and we see things in a different light. Yeah. I mean, Billy wrote the perfect song when he wrote the song Shades of Grey, which is the only song on River of Dreams that I play on. And, you know, it was his choice to put that one on there. Yeah. And, um, when he says, like, it's Shades of Grey, everything used to be black and white when we were kids. You know, you hated something or you loved something. Now it's like, yeah, I, I kind of like it, but I'm not really sure about it, you know. So when, when you get older, it's like, you know, why why am I carrying around this this anger? Or You know, it, it's killing me, first of all. Right. Why don't, why don't I resolve this? I mean, between two friends, what what could, what could destroy the friendship so so much? You know, I, I understand that, that Paul actually got to reconcile with John before he, he died. And I also understand that, that I heard that uh, Mick Fleetwood is now talking to Lindsey Buckingham, you know? So it, it's, it's all good. It, it, it's hard to carry around that, that anger, you know? Let's go back here a little bit and going back to the book itself, and we'll kind of flip back and forth. When you had finished writing the family portion of it, did you show it to any of your family to say, you know, did I get it right? Well, it's funny, you know, um, uh, I, I spoke to a cousin of mine that, that, that read the book. Uh, and it, it was actually the, the, my, my cousin, his, uh, his son, right? And, and my, my, um, my cousin, uh, Sharon, said, oh, I don't know why uh, Lib wrote those things about his dad. His dad wasn't that mean, you know, <laughs> right, right? And and, my, and the, the son of, of her her son said, well, you know, I, can, I if I wrote a book, I would write that dad got so mad at, at, at my brother that he tipped the, the table over and attacked him, you know. But nobody knows that because we, you know, nobody was there. Right. Us. Right. You know. So it's like nobody really knows the true side of my dad. How how in today's world he was very abusive to me, you know both physically and mentally and, and, you know, using words like stupid and dummy and, you know, uh, so, but back then it, it was accepted that you smack your kid around, you know? Well, you know, it's interesting because when I was reading portions of that book, it made me both laugh and tear up because my dad was not so much different. Uh, yeah. So I was, for me, it was very relatable in a sense to read it. And the, when I was looking last night through the book, and I just couldn't find it, and I was so frustrated. But you wrote that one portion 
uh, and I had messaged you about it, about your dad and the fact that, you know, he just, he represented in a lot of ways, the things that allowed you to do what you did, grow your hair long. Yeah. Uh, it was just such a dichotomy of what he stood for and what you were pursuing. We'll put it that way. And yeah. it just seemed really interesting for you be able to look at that way. And I look at and think of my dad, my dad was in the military and I think to myself, you know what? It was kind of parallel in that sense. I mean, I never was in a rock band or grew my hair out, but you kind of represented the epitome of it, you know, of yeah. what it was like. And it was just so beautiful. I just, I sat there, I closed the book and I had to let it just kind of go over me for a second. And then I slowly reread it again and I had to write you about it because it just affected me like to the core. It was like, wow, this is like beautiful. The way he put this was so good. There's a certain perspective as you grow older that you have about these things. So I'm glad that was in the book. And it's interesting to hear what other family members, the things they don't necessarily know the nitty gritties of that you shared. It was kind of funny. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, well, we, we, we grow and you know, with each generation things, things change. The world changes, even though we think we don't change, you know, and, and, and our world doesn't change. The world changes around us. If we want to survive in that world, I'm learning this from my daughters. And, you know, my wife is, is only 45 years old. I'm 70. She's 45. To relate to her, I have to, to change. And and to my daughters who are younger, I have to change. You know, their thought, like like Black Lives Matter, you know, people are like, like oh, all lives matter. Well, you understand that what's going on here, you know. You have to look at it at, at what these people have been through. Oh, I'm not a racist. I have a black friend. Well, what does that have to do with anything? You have a black friend. Right. You're not a racist. You live in a white world. Somebody said to me, white privilege one day. And I thought, what the heck is that? And he went, well, you went to a school. Was there any black people in it? I said, oh, I think there was one. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you can walk in and get a job. Did you? you know, get, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. Well, a black guy would have a very difficult time doing that, yeah. you know? And I, I learned about, you know, my white privilege. And I, I ended up writing about it in the book because I realized that one time that me and my friend went to a battle of the bands and stepped over that line, that one street that divided the blacks and whites, that we were taking our white privilege in there thinking like, we can go anywhere. We're, you know, and there was like, whoa. That's funny. <laughs> you know? That is funny. Yeah. I before we go to this next song, um, uh, and thinking on River of Dreams, um, and we talked about this more earlier, but it breathes new, different kind of life for me after reading the book. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about the Shelter Island sessions and the note that it ended on for you when you guys were done recording well, that. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the Shelter Island tape, uh, the Shelter Island sessions. Uh, Billy uh, had decided that, that he was going to produce the album himself. Yeah. Uh, so he rented uh, an old uh, like boathouse out in Shelter Island. We had to take a ferry to get there. You know, we drive out from, from uh, I lived in, in uh, Northport, and I had to drive out to, the end of Long Island, and then take a ferry to Shelter Island. And he, he built a studio there, and um, 
we started to record the, the songs for River of Dreams. I think we got into about like maybe eight of them. And they were sounding great. But then Billy decided he could not be the writer, the piano player, and the producer at the same time and be running the studio. So that's when he brought in Danny Krotzmeyer. And Danny comes in with his hotshot engineer. And uh, Billy decides at that that time that, that, you know, he's seen so many changes over the years. The only thing he hadn't changed up to that point was me. So Danny Krotzmeyer was was talking to him about bringing in his guys. You know, Danny has his West Coast guys, the West Coast guys. Right. So Billy thought, okay, this is the time to do it. And that's why I'm not on that, that record. But after the, they recorded that whole album, when Billy listened back, he didn't like Shades of Grey that Danny Kochmeyer recorded. That's why he uses the one that came from the boathouse mm. that I play on, mm. you know. Uh, and, and after that, you know, when we talked on the telephone and, and he explained to me what he was doing, and he said, you'll always be my drummer. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll um, go out in the road and we'll do all this stuff. And, you know. Do you think he fully believed be, that at the time? That was his thinking? I, uh, yeah, I think so. Because we did go on the road. And a, a good friend of mine, uh, this, this drum instructor, his name is Don Fernandero. And um, he said to me, he goes, after listening to the album, he goes, you know, you've got a win-win situation here. He goes, if the album bombs, you can tell Billy, I told you so. If the album takes off and, and does well, you'll be on the road forever. And we ended up touring on that River of Dreams album for so long. That's you know? funny. So, um, you know, it didn't do as well as the other records before it did. I mean, it's still, uh, the other records have more classic hits on them than River of Dreams did. And um, it was his farewell album, you know. Mr. DeVito, I'm just an engineer here, but I got to tell you, your story is really great, sir. Uh, and the way you oh, tell it you. is is really great. Uh, I think it's pretty inspiring. I think a lot of people out there deal with anger and anger issues. Yeah. And, and I don't think that they really stop to realize their gratitudes that way. Uh, so I, I really appreciate you uh, taking a minute to, to, to do this with us because I think anybody who, who hears this is going to feel like I do because Good. Well, 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 thank you for that. And that, that that's what, what the story is about. You know, it, 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 it's not just about drums, <laughs> you know? I yeah. mean, you know, I, I, I did ask my dad uh, after my career had, had been successful. I said, why did you buy me drums? Because I never, I don't think I ever asked for drums. You know, they just showed up with that. I always loved music, but the drums just showed up. And my father said, well, they didn't make Prozac when you were a kid. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We had brought my, bought my thirteen-year-old uh, son. He was like ten or eleven at the time. A small little drum set, not a big one, but a small little play thing. And uh, I'm like, uh, my wife and I have been divorced for quite a while. And I thought, well, he has to take it back to his mom's house anyway. It's, yeah. it's going to drive her nuts. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that was actually a Christmas gift for me or him. So uh, I think everybody wins in that one. <laughs> how are we doing on that? You're looking great. Uh, Is it good? Re you ready to hear some shades of gray? I am. How about you, sir? Yeah, go for it. Ba, 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 
actually did a uh, my own little music video to this song because I love the <laughs> drums. I love them in this song. If I may, those toms, those toms have a nice full sound, and that snare was snapping. It was. It's good stuff, you know. Uh, yeah. Did you yeah. think, you know, I've I've sometimes wondered this, and you know, I don't always go on to all the Billy Joel pages because sometimes, I, to be honest with you, they just kind of bore me. What's your favorite list if you were on an island by yourself? What are the songs that you would take? Uh, right. And they break stuff down that I don't know. To me, you can come up with more things that you know. Would he babysit my kids sometimes? Short of that, um, that they ask questions about. Uh, so I they drive me nuts. So I'm I'm like you know if I have an interview with somebody, I would. These are the kinds of questions to me that are meaningful. I want to know about this person because they affected my life so much. Uh, you know, I've always had. I wouldn't say an argument, but there are some varying thoughts on this, and you're in a good position to answer this question. Um, does one make musician-wise more money on the road or through record sales? Well, uh, being being a hired gun, like I was, uh, you you make more money on the road because you really don't get uh, money from a record. You know, we had special uh, deals with Billy on the record. You know, to to give us incentive to play harder on the road, hmm. so he would sell more records. Okay. You know, but uh, usually uh, the, you would make more money on the road, depending on how long the tour goes. Right. You know. Okay. So, yeah. There's been varying thoughts I've heard from people, uh, and I really do like at the ending of the book how you break down certain things for musicians. Uh, it's almost like yeah. you know, here's the stuff I learned. And here's your little cheat sheet <laughs> right, right. to take it with you. Uh, talk a little bit why you decided to even do that. Um, uh, you know what? I, I actually sat with one of Billy's managers, one of the ones that ripped him off. And uh, uh, he, I, I said, we were talking about money and, ma- and I wa- wanted to make more money with Billy. And he kind of explained to me because before he had worked with Billy, he worked with the Eagles. And that was a totally different situation because that was a whole group, yeah. you know. And he explained to me what the ideal uh, situation is for a management company would be just a single artist, one guy. Just You don't have to deal with anybody else except the one guy. Right. You know, so I thought, let me write this down because there's a lot of uh, guys that, that start bands, you know, they're single artists, and uh, some young drummer might be playing with them. You know, Set the record straight before you get big. Set the record straight. Like, I, if I add something, I want something for it. You know, am I going to be a part of a band? Or are you the solo artist and you are in control of everything? If you know up front, because we were always felt like we were a band. And, and we were going to share in the, in the wealth and everything like that. But that didn't happen because you get people that are running Billy's money that aren't driving the rental cars with you in the beginning. You know, they don't know that. They don't know what it's like to travel on the road. They're in an office and, you know, just collecting the money and putting it in a bank for Billy. Do you think the business tears down that musician sometimes? 
Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's part of the reason why Billy doesn't write songs anymore. The business just he doesn't like it. You know, when I listen, and I haven't for a while, River of Dreams, it just seems like, I don't know, the best way to put it is a different pot type of Billy Joel songs than the earlier stuff. And, you know, yeah. even when he did uh, Famous Last Words, a lot of people wonder, was that, did he even think in his mind that might be a swan song? I'm not really doing anything more past this song. Yeah, well, um, you know, he had told me when we started to um, tour uh, with the River of Dreams album, he, I, you know, I went into him, I heard that Billy's not going to, he's not doing any more writing. And I said, you're not going to write anymore? He goes, no, I'm tired of exposing my life, uh, you know, and, and I just, I'm not going to do it anymore. If I need money, I'll write the I Love You song. You know? <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So uh, I found other ways to make money, you know, by, by touring, constantly touring. Because on the River of Dreams, you know, uh, after the record went away, River of Dreams, we went on a tour again with no record. And, and the companies were saying, you're nuts, Billy. You're going to fall on your face. And we sold more tickets on that tour than we did when records were out. I bet. It was insane. Yeah. I bet. You know, he has, um, you know, as we all have good sides and bad sides, uh, I mean, he's, he's certainly a showman uh, best. I, went, I last saw him was when he came to San Francisco a couple of years yeah. ago. Uh, and, you know, he... He is good with the people. I mean, he sure knows how to talk to the people. Uh, and then he's got so many, his, his catalog is really large. Uh, and people remember him, even the hits and the non-hits. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's rather interesting. And that goes to his credit. I mean, there's not a whole lot of musicians who can do that. Um, so he has that in his favor. Uh, you know, I want to, before we go to my next question, I want to play this song because I heard some interesting stories about it. And maybe you can talk a little bit about it after we, we play. Uh, let's play like a minute of it. Here we go. All go right. ahead. I'm, gonna, I'm walking. Uh. Tell me about this song. Well, Billy was approached to write a song for a movie that um, uh, Robin Williams was doing called Club Paradise. And um, it, it was originally, they originally asked Sting to do it, but I guess Sting was working with the police. Mm -hmm. And uh, it passed it on to Billy. And uh, so that's why it's, it's got that police esque sound to it, okay. you know, and that, that kind of Stuart Copeland drum to it, you know, so 
that, that was a lot of fun to play that 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 tune in the studio. <laughs> now, when Billy did write a song, any particular song, did he already know exactly where and how much he wanted any particular instrument to be played or come in? I mean, how did you guys work that out on a song by song basis? Well, he would come in. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I did a, a, a drum camp in Nashville once, and um, th- there was I was the token rock guy. There was all these Nashville drummers, and they all went up and, and talked about how they would go into the studio. The artist would play them a complete song, a completed song that was considered a demo that sounded great, like like a total song, and tell them, "I want you to copy everything that's on this demo." I just want to make it sound better, right? I went up there and I said, when I walk into the studio, maybe the artist I work with has a song. <laughs> he might have just an idea, you know? And sometimes the band will, will run down the ideas with Billy. And then if the idea was, was starting to swing, then he would go home and finish the song because he'd get excited like, okay, I'm onto something good here. It sounds good when the band's playing it. Now I'll write, I'll finish writing it, and that's how a lot of those songs were put together, you know. And Phil Ramone would would like say, "Well, take this chorus and put it here, or take this verse and put it over here," you know. And you would just build these songs in the studio. Do you think that was a big regret, stopping working with him? With Phil? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. Because he had you a know. lot of great ideas. I mean, through oh, reading your book Phil, and everything. Phil was brilliant. I mean, I I would love to go back in the studio with Billy, you know, if, if we got the band back, me and Richie and Russell, and go back with maybe David Santos, who played bass on one of the tours, go into the studio and record more stuff. I don't know what it would be like without Phil. Yeah. Phil was was such a, a part of the that music. It would be like the Beatles going in with, without George Martin. Right. Well, first you know? of all, you know, when he came out with his instrumental record, uh, Billy, I mean, one, he wasn't even playing the piano. Okay. He just right. wrote these instrumental tunes. Um, and I really thought, wow, really? Have we really come to this? Um, and I know that, and lack of a better word, preaching the idea that, uh, the rock and roll kid is no longer there. I think sometimes does it ever really die? I mean, maybe it pushes off to a side, um, but, you know, in listening to you, it seems like, at least for the time being, um, I know he's got a family on his hands, uh, that doing any other future music just probably isn't going to happen. Well, you know, you, you need to get inspired by other people. Yeah. And, and I, keep, I keep sending him stuff like that I do with the Slim Kings. Uh, Russell Gabbard's son, you saw it on, on I posted it on Facebook. He, he plays a uh, acoustic guitar, like a blues thing. And I sent that to him, you know, like maybe he would get inspired to like, go like, yeah, maybe I'll do something else, you know? Right. But when you're around people and you, he, he's playing the same songs over and over again when he plays live, you know, he, he's making a living off of it. So what, what, what will inspire him? Right. And I thought, and I thought for sure, not to be melrose about this, but you know, when the breakup with Christy happened, I thought that wow, you know, maybe uh, there's a lot going on emotionally with that whole situation. 
Um, and maybe more stuff will come out, you know, maybe something needs to affect him. Well, you know, case in point, there's a handful of artists so far that had this whole COVID thing has inspired them on many different levels to write. Right. Um, and, you know, I thought, well, maybe he'll do something. I know there's a whole fan base that's just like waiting with bated breath, but I swore I heard Billy once say in an interview that, you know, I don't want to just put it, a song out that has my name stamped on it and everybody's buying it just because my name's associated with it. Uh, right. So, you know, there's a bit of a tug of war. It seems to me that is there, but like you're saying, you know, he's doing his tours. It's not like he's losing money. Um, he's making money. Uh, and so far, according to his side, I mean, they're not going back on stage till next year. Uh, right. A year from now, that, that's a lot of time to go by. Um, for that. So, you know, it's just his van base is curious about that. And it's great that, uh, that you're moving on. And I think, and I want you to talk about the Lords of 52nd street. Cause I knew, I knew very little about this. You know, Scott, let me, let me say this before we go to that. Um, when I was with Stevie Nicks, I remember sitting across the, the aisle on an airplane with Jimmy Izeen. You know, he's the one that started uh, all those rap records and all that kind of stuff. And he, he was um, producing Stevie Nicks at the time. And I had the cassette of, of uh, Innocent Man, right? Okay. And I, I, I made him listen to it. I said, listen, this is the new album that's going to come out. And he put it on. He listened to the entire album. And he took his headphones off and he says, it's really, really good. He goes, but I want to produce the album when he breaks up with her. You know, mm-hmm. and talk about Christy Franklin. Uh, so like you say, you know, the, the, the inspiration uh, must have been great to write when they broke up. Right. But he did, that's when he said, I don't want to expose my life anymore. Right. And then yeah. I, get, yeah. I get that. That makes sense to me. I mean, Stevie Nicks' Nick, whole career is, is, is a broken heart, you know? Right. Right. And so many people relate to it. Right. They just can't find right. the words sometimes that a musician exactly. can. The tone. Exactly. How do I express it? Has Billy seen you guys play? The Lords of 52nd Street? No. He hasn't seen us. Really? Wow. I'm sure he's seen videos, but I don't think he's coming. He hasn't come out. I mean, when I, when I uh, was with him in Florida, we were playing that night. Yeah. The night we had the breakfast together. Yeah. And I said, we're playing tonight, you know, right around here. And and, and he goes, yeah, well, I got the kids. And, I, and then I stopped him. I said, you don't go out, do you? And he <laughs> said, no, I don't. I said, that's okay. And usually why I don't go out either. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, are you still doing the drum clinics? I do. Um, I, I've done a couple of virtual ones uh, for um, David Fitchoff. He does the, the rock camp thing. Uh-huh. And they're, they're pretty cool, but it's, it's like weird not seeing people. Weird, I bet. The Lords have done the Lords have done some outdoor gigs, you know, uh, parking lot gigs, and it's so weird because people don't clap because they're in their cars. They keep their horns. Oh, that's funny. It's really weird. That is funny. And the Slim Kings are playing tomorrow night. Obviously, when people listen to this, it will have come and gone. Uh, how are you enjoying yeah. that? It looks like you're having a blast. I was listening to a couple of their songs, and they're really good. Yeah, the Slim Kings. The Slim Kings is keeping me current. Uh, the Slim Kings are keeping me active. They keep my mind working. You know, I mean, uh, 
the, the music business is so different than it was when I started with Billy because nobody makes any money anymore playing music. Right. You know, it's very difficult unless you get you get placements in a movie or on a TV show. One of your songs is on that. That's how you make money. But um, so the Slim Peaks is just a fun thing to do. I really enjoy it. And, and uh, I get to write with the guys, you know. And Much more like involved, it sounds like. Well, actually, you were doing that, too, helping at least with Billy. That's kind of what you guys did together. Yeah. Do you yeah, find we, a yeah, big Do you find a big playing difference between playing with those two different bands as a drummer? Oh yeah, yeah. The Slim the Slim Kings is more R and D kind of uh, rock oriented. Yeah. And Billy Billy was more like arrangements and and uh, longer songs and and making up different parts for different songs and stuff like that. This is more groove stuff. If Billy called you up after I hang up <laughs> and he said, you know what? We want you to come with us. Would you say yes? Um, I'd have to think about it. Yeah. You know, because I got the, this young daughter now and, you know. I Life mean, is different. We'd have to work out a lot of stuff. We'd have to work out a lot of stuff. And it would depend who's in the band. There's some people that were in the band when I left that I just um, don't want to ever be on the stage with them again. Ah, uh, that makes sense, too. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's not just an immediate yes, but there's things to bear in mind. I have two questions from no. people that I was scanning uh, some of the Facebook posts. And one person wrote in, is it my imagination? Does the end of the song, where's the orchestra, turn into Allentown for the last few bars? Yes. Yes, it does. That Nylon Curtain has a whole theme going through it. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it, 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 it does. It turns into Allentown at the end. Did you guys ever do a lot of that stuff where you try to play tie songs or some of the tunes part of it into other songs or well, does that stand alone? Well, no, no, but each album had a, had a, a theme to it. Like, yeah. uh, you know, the stranger was the pop album, of course, that they put them over the top, but then 52nd street had more uh, of a jazz kind of influence on it, you know, with Zanzibar and, and those kind of songs like that. And then glass houses was the rock album. Yeah. You know, that was all just, that was just the band playing. Right. You know, so, and, and then the Nylon Curtain was our tip of the hat to the Beatles. You know, and, um, yeah, so it, they all had a theme to them. You Did know? you have a favorite album yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I like uh, the, the Nylon Curtain. But, but there's other songs that are scattered all over the place that I really like. Like, one of my favorite songs is Until the Night. Oh, okay. You know, on, um, I, li I like uh, uh, While the Night is Still Young. It's another one that's on the Greatest Hits record. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of them. When he was I on, really like Easy Money. You played in the beginning. Easy I love Money, that song, so. too. You don't yeah. hear it very much, but it's a good song. It's a good, solid yeah. one. Yeah. When uh, Billy was on Stephen Colbert sometime back, he listed his top five songs as starting right. at number five, Vienna. And so it goes. You may be right. She's right on time. And the ever popular one, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Yeah. Does Liberty have his own, at least top three? Um, I would have to say Easy Money is definitely one of them. Uh, um, Until the Night would be in the, the other one. And I think, oh, I know, um, State of Grace. Uh, yes yes i really like that one well liberty we've been on the phone for a while so i want to thank you for your generosity we're going to end on a slim king's song 
Um, I thought it was apropos for ending the show. Uh, but Liberty, thank you. You can say hi to the fans. <laughs> and hi, fans. <laughs> we'll uh, be constantly looking on your uh, face page book. It's great that you're active as you are on it. Uh, people ask questions and you answer them. Uh, and it's just, it's great to be that way with the fans. I really do. Not a lot of uh, musicians are so much into that. And thank you for your generosity on your time for this podcast of For Your Review. Uh, we're going to close out on thank you. Oh. <laughs> thank you, Liberty. You're a great guy. Well, thanks, Scott. Have thank a good so one, much. buddy. And uh, I'll post uh, this one and we'll list, have them listen to the song. Do it, man. Do it. All right. All right. Thanks, Scott. All right. See you. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. For the grief, the shame, the curiosity. I hope you